This is Father Jacob Bertrand and Jancic. This is Father Bonaventure Chapman. And this is Father Gregory Pine. Welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Fathers. Hello. We're here. Mm-hmm. Imagine it. that. It's happening. Yep. This is it. We're really doing it. Everything we've ever wanted. Right here All at I this moment. Wait, what? Yeah. I'm sh- I <laughs> am shocked that you knew that. Like, what? Like, I went to honest- an evangelical college. Like honestly floored. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've not been surprised by much because I like I'm terribly disappointed in most all of creation. Yeah. But you didn't know that like I, I, I actually- knew about new kids on the block? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Savage. I I, I, we just have to move. I, yep. I can't form a sentence nope. right now. I'm, yeah. I'm spellbound. I'm dumbstruck. That was the first CD I ever owned. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Factory Boys. Right? I respect Blue you for album your, or yep. whatever. Yeah. Wow. I own cassettes. I, think I the had first, cassettes, but it was the first CD. The first that I, ooh, I don't remember. I think the first that I owned was a Destiny's Child album. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. You know, it's all good. From Strawberries. Did you go to Strawberries to buy your CDs? We I went did. to the BMG Get 12 for the Price of Two, like, giveaway, sendaway thing or thing. You ended up paying, like, five times yeah the price hmm. um, but it was still less expensive than it could have been got it well mm-hmm. this isn't what we were planning to talk about so i'm glad we had this moment yeah and i'm still going to carry on with what we were planning to talk about okay. as far we'll as see. like You'll letting try. people into our personal life uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh and that you know christmas is around the corner yes Correct. it's coming yes get ready prepare okay. ye the way of the lord mm-hmm. make straight his paths mm-hmm. that's right uh mm-hmm. i wanted to know your favorite christmas Tide drinks. Christmas Tide drinks. Yeah. Beverages? Beverages. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, I really like eggnog. Uh, why do I really like eggnog? Store bought or homemade? So I don't know that I've ever had homemade without the fear of contracting yeah, salmonella. Exactly. So I'm gonna go it. with store bought. Um, and when we were in the novitiate, we got daily, mm. not daily, that's an exaggeration. We got somewhat regular shipments from Trouth Dairy, and that. they made very delicious eggnog. Although, if you had calories per cup, exactly, I think it was right, it was right around there. It was a billion yeah. calories per cup, with daily. And, but it was too yeah. spicy, so I used to cut mm. it. But I found that if I cut it with milk, it would water it down in an unsatisfactory way. So I was cutting it with half Bailey's. and half. Oh. Right, Bailey's from a never mind. So yeah, so I was cutting it with half and half, which made it yet more calorie rich. But at that point, my metabolism was like that of a small furnace. Um, now it's of a smaller furnace. But moving on, um, there came a point at which the entire novitiate grew weary of eggnog mm. uh, because how can you possibly be expected to drink it for weeks on end? With yep. with me being the grand exception, so I drank eggnog well into the end of January. No regrets and um, yeah. no pounds gained. Wow. Lovely. Yep. Nice. Thanks. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. And you. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> me? Tell me. Yeah. Coin of Matthew? Um, yeah, something, maybe a peppermint mocha or something, I guess. I like uh, I like a little bit of... I'm sorry uh, if you like peppermint mochas for making that face. Uh, peppermint, I don't know. Yeah, it's... Or a peppermint hot chocolate. Like, that combination of chocolate and peppermint, I think, really goes well. Um, so, yeah, maybe a, some sort of warm peppermint beverage would be fine. Maybe nice. mochas, too, like coffee or something it. no i don't know i haven't um if someone would send me one that'd be great um just you can put them in the you can send in a ziploc liquids bag through, you can send them liquids <laughs> through the mail i sent a can one time to somebody you just label it um as long as you label put the stamps on and you put it in it got there in alabama from buffalo new york just so pour a mocha peppermint put it in a bag, in a ziploc, ziploc bag, bag. It's a, you gotta secure it though like it's like um, wine just right. make sure you put the send on there father bonaventure chapman then the dhs kind of thing and you know you're gonna get, get a bag. one right i hope we'll see it's awesome <laughs> I, I dare you. 
I was gonna say eggnog too, but like I like spike it, spiked eggnog. Mm. It's oh, really good. N- no. <laughs> no. Uh, when I, I have these memories of my grandmother uh, spiking the whole of the eggnog at like Christmas Eve and stuff, and Your then not telling four. my parents, and then like we'd get eggnog and it was it was spiked, so that was nice. awesome. But I also really like like a, a really good like hot chocolate and whipped cream mm. kind of thing that's like growing up coming in from playing in the snow mm. that was always on hand it was nice you know mm-hmm. warmed up why are you making a face okay. you sissy <laughs> <laughs> what, when the you guy who drinks <laughs> peppermint mochas <laughs> now with not with a little whipped cream on the top like <laughs> a sissy <laughs> all right well this has been enlightening it's I been heartwarming um and because of all of that we're going to we're going to move over to the to the bible to Sounds the right. scriptures to the yeah. readings for the third Sunday of Advent, um, but, but not, before we do that, yeah, we're gonna collect. we're gonna pray the collect for the mm. third Sunday of Advent. So why don't we do that? Let's pray. Oh God, who see how your people faithfully await the feast of the Lord's nativity, enable us, we pray, to attain the joys of so great a salvation and to celebrate them always with solemn worship and glad rejoicing through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, Father Bonaventure, jumping in early because he has the... F- no, I'm going to read. No, he's going to read the first reading. Here we go. There you go. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord and a day of vindication by our God. I rejoice heartily in the Lord. In my God is the joy of my soul. For he has clothed me with a robe of salvation and wrapped me in a mantle of justice. Like a bridegroom adorned with a diadem, like a bride bedecked with her jewels. As the earth brings forth its plants and a garden makes its growth spring up, so will the Lord God make justice and praise spring up before all the nations." There's a reality about uh, what about being chosen, about being called, about being anointed. Um, that is uh, that is what the result of or the beginning in a way, but also the result of a call to holiness, to be saints, to which we are all called. the The fact about God, or a fact about God, is that He chooses. He chooses disciples. He chooses men and women to be his apostles, to be his beloved sons and daughters, and in doing so to draw them into his life. Um, it's simply the the proclamation of the gospel, and it's the truth of the gospel. And in turn, in being made part of God's life, we're called to to witness to the truth, to proclaim this truth of the gospel, to, pro- to proclaim the good works of God, to witness to what he does in our lives, in the lives of others, in the lives of the church, in the lives of uh, of, of the world, I guess we could say, to witness and proclaim what it is that God does. And this prophecy from Isaiah um, encapsulates that reality. Um, Isaiah prophesies that God's goodness will be bestowed on all all of all people, all of creation, on those who are poor, on the captives, on those who are in need of liberty, all of the that God's um, coming incarnation, his coming into the world is not something that's just reserved for um, you know a small few. It's not something that is just to be hidden or kept away, but something that is to be spread throughout all of creation, all of the world, to be drawn into God's life, to be drawn into this great mystery that we're preparing to celebrate in, in just a week. So you have imagery here, which is messianic, 
when we speak of anointings, we think of kings and we think of prophets. Uh, and that calls to mind our sharing in Christ's messianic identity and mission. Um, so it's said first of him in the book of the prophet Isaiah, insofar as it foresees him and foretells him. But it also speaks of us, not insofar as we're like raging egomaniacs who want to claim for ourselves every title of Christ, but in the sense that our Lord incorporates us into his body, shares with us the life of grace, virtue, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and more besides. So it's actually a claiming of his identity, a claiming of his mission. It's funny, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk now of identity, and people want, on the one hand, to pertain, to belong, and on the other hand, to be unique. So they want to be like others and yet holy themselves, recognizedly so. And as far as I can tell, the only way by which to do that is to be Christ, because our Lord Jesus Christ gives us his very self for our identity, because left to our own devices, we don't really have an identity. We're just too thin, too insubstantial. Um, but we can lay claim to his person and his story and live it in our own lives. And so when we hear of him that he has been anointed and that he's sent to bring glad tidings to be bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and all that, that comes after. That said also of us, insofar as Christ has made us members of his body and has shared with us his identity and mission. One of the, the dangers of going last in these comments is that the other speakers will have stolen your ideas. But thankfully, I think my ideas are so weird that this has <laughs> never occurred. And uh, this is the case as well of this part, because um, I'm going to talk about dressing up. Uh, <laughs> This is Gaudete Sunday, and it's rejoicing heartily in the Lord. And what? how do you rejoice? It's not through your voice, but through what you're wearing. We have diadems and robes and mantles and all of these things adorned with these. And there's something fitting about that when you celebrate a big feast or a party or something, you put on special stuff. It's a sort of, uh, I don't know, flagrant joy uh, that's being attended to of the eyes as well as, as everything else. And... I think in a society where we we tend to kind of not get dressed up as much, we don't wear three-piece suits anymore, or bow ties, cufflinks, all of this, we miss out on some assistance to our souls for the external things are meant for the internal things, the visible for the invisible, the bodies for the soul. And that's a part of this whole imagery of dressing up, maybe even looking a little silly, um, such that you would remind yourself this is a feast worthy to be celebrated, that we should be rejoicing and glad and drawn up even with all the shines and the shimmies of whatever we're wearing. So this is a week and a time and a season to put on the very best, whatever that might be and however sparkly that might be. I don't know what a shimmy is, a shine and a shimmy, but we're going to save that like, for another like time this. and go to the second, to the second reading. Sounds right. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and all circumstances give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, test everything, retain what is good, refrain from every kind of evil. May, may the God of peace make you perfectly holy. May you entirely, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will also accomplish it. So I'm struck by the fact that St. Paul, he doesn't open with the invitation to prayerfully consider the option of rejoicing for your future. He just says, rejoice always. And, and in that comes, uh, or with that, I suppose, comes a kind of confidence that we do well to rejoice. So 
Yeah, it's an invitation on the one hand, but it's also an imperative on the other because it corresponds to the state of affairs. It corresponds to reality. And given reality, given what reality is, it's for us to rejoice in recognition thereof and in reception of the gifts that reality bears, provided only that we have eyes to see them. And so I think it is easy for us to be kind of normed by our our feelings, right? Whether it be, you know, like physical, emotional, or psychological, to take our own temperature, register devastation, and fail to rejoice. But the Lord's saying, you're not normed by your own kind of tempestuous interior states. You're normed by salvation history, by the facts of the matter, by my conquest, by my victory. You can lay claim to that, you can be confident in that, and as a result of which you can rejoice, even if you don't feel it, and especially when you don't feel it. Because in part, that's the way out. That's the way to escape from the prison of our own sentiment, which is no—well, it's some, but it's not a good indicator of spiritual healing and growth, nor of our ultimate destiny to be yet more perfectly sons and daughters of the Most High God. So we can practice this in simple ways. It might be as, you know, as kind of silly or seemingly minuscule as, as thanking God for a couple of things each day. But in doing so, we gain a greater capacity or we gain the eyes with which to see how this is, this is occasion for rejoicing because the Lord has blessed us abundantly. I'm a skeptical person by nature, so when someone says, I've got a word of the Lord for you, or I think this is what God's doing, I'm always suspicious that it might be something else, not devil necessarily, but just the normal things that are going on in their lives. This passage, of course, draws me up short because it says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. And it's a dialectic for sure because it's going to follow up with that by test everything, obtain what is good. But it reminds me to be open to however the Lord might be willing to act. He has acted in very strange ways before. This is what we're celebrating the Christmas, the incarnation, which coming on the other side of things looks like the most natural thing in the world. But for before this, um, a lot of even the Jews, the most closest followers and readers of Scripture, didn't see it. Who knows how the Lord continues to act and the Spirit continues to apply salvation in our lives. And it reminds me to be open, and while testing everything refrain, and doing retaining what is good, I am to refrain from every kind of evil, such that even if it's mediocre or not clear or just normal, it's still something to be retained and respected and to be open to, for the Spirit works and blows and wins in ways that I'm not attentive to, do not even know, but need to be faithful to. This passage from the first letter to the Thessalonians sort of gives us a summary of the Christian life in in the missile that's in front of me. And if you're looking at the readings yourself, you might see it broken kind of into two paragraphs. So the first paragraph, what Father Bonaventure was just talking about, um, and Father Gregory too, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, test what is good, don't quench the spirit. It's a sort of, um, and it's an instruction there imperatives, as Father Gre- Gregory mentioned, but it's also a sort of summary of how to live the Christian life, how to pursue what is good, how to retain it and pursue it and rejoice in the Lord and be with him. And then the second paragraph, the second section is um, this this sort of prayer, may the God of peace uh, make you perfectly holy, etc. as it goes on. So if we look at these two things as, as sort of two separate parts, but also interrelated, we have on the one hand a summary of how we are to live, to rejoice, to give thanks, to pray without ceasing, to retain what is good and pursue that, and then a reminder, too, that it is God who makes us holy, um, that it is our Lord's grace, His will, His movements in our lives that that 
makes us perfectly holy, that prepares us to live with him, that prepares us to receive him as Christmas comes. So sometimes I think it's easy, especially as life gets complicated or time gets complicated and busy, to forget the sort of fundamentals and the basics of the practice of our faith and to sort of lose sight of that. So here St. Paul kind of does us a favor, just about halfway through Lent, well, a little more than halfway through Lent, um, but, you know, to, to remind us, like, these are the basis, basics of our life. These are how these are the ways by which we remain close to the Lord, but also to remind us that it's the Lord at work in us, drawing us to him. Okay, to the gospel then, Father Gregory, if you wouldn't mind reading for us. I do not mind. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? Are you, I'm sorry, are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. In the 80s, there was a lot of talk about authenticity. I suppose it's still something that's important, being your your own self, your authentic self, and all of that. Uh, and we have a now expression, you do you, uh, that we respect other people and let them do their own thing, and we make accommodations, and it's all about being true to yourself and your own authentic identity. We care a lot about that today. And so if you were doing the, having this gospel today, you'd expect that when John the Baptist says, I'm not Elijah, are you Elijah? I'm not. Are you the prophet? I'm not. Well, who are you? You'd expect him to say, I'm John the Baptist. Who else could I be? But he doesn't. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. He takes on an identity, a presentation of self that is not him firstly, but it's something that he grows into, that he accepts as being his role and his identity. It's something that he takes on from the scriptures and sees himself in playing out a particular role in salvation. It's a significantly or seriously inauthentic existence in the Sartrean sense, but it's the kind of existence that we're all called to, not to be this particular person, but to have our identity in Christ, to make Christ not into us, but rather to make ourselves into little Christs. And the paradox of this is it will only be inauthentic to our fallen selves, but to be authentic to who we ought to be as redeemed sons and daughters of God, that is to live and identify oneself with Christ. Following on the idea of identity, one of or the role of John the Baptist, not one of his roles, is to to announce the the coming of Christ, to point him out, um, uh, behold the Lamb of God, you know, to make Christ known. And in making Christ known, as we heard in the Gospel today, in answering the question about his identity, John the Baptist says he's this voice crying out in the desert, as Father Bonaventure just highlighted. And then the, the, the second part of that line, or the next part of that line, he says, make straight the way 
of the Lord or prepare the way of the Lord. Um, and it kind of that question begs the question of, well, how? What does that mean? What does it mean to make straight the path of the Lord? And we might be tempted to think in preparing the way of the Lord, preparing to receive the Lord, that we have to sort of arrange the externals. If we think pretty literally here, making straight the path so that that it's easier for, for the Lord to come or us to come to the Lord or to meet somehow, to, to arrange the externals of life such that um, it's it's an easier sort of venture. But in reality, making straight the, the way of the Lord, preparing the way of the Lord begins with with ourselves in a in an internal ordering of who we are by our Lord's grace, being healed of our sins, being forgiven of our sins, being freed more and more from temptation as we pursue virtue and leave vice behind. Um, the prepa- the preparation that John the Baptist is speaking of is not one of making sure that everything is set and this and that, but making sure that we're set that we are working to be ready to receive the Lord when he comes into our lives, that we are working to cooperate with the Lord's grace in our lives such that we might share more and more readily in his offer of love, in his offer of grace, in his offer of himself. Um, so when we hear this gospel, whether we're hearing it now or you know we hear it at Mass or read it on our own, we ought to think of the ways by which we are being called, being moved by the Spirit to be prepared, to get ready for the coming feast days, uh, to get ready to celebrate our Lord's birth and receive Him. So in commenting on this particular passage of the Gospel of John, St. Augustine makes a distinction between the voice and the word. So John is the voice which carries the word, who is Christ, and it helps us to kind of situate John's instrumentality, but also our instrumentality, insofar as, like St. John the Baptist, we're each called to point awesomely and adamantly at our Lord Jesus Christ, and then to claim our identity and mission in doing so. So it's strange, it's seemingly paradoxical, that in pointing away from ourselves, we come to discover who we are, as if, kind of like by an afterthought, Um, which is totally contrary to the tendency of this present evil age, which is very much turned in on itself, and then frustrated to find that in so turning in on oneself, he discovers nothing of his true self. Um, So I think that this, yeah, this notion or this concept of instrumentality is super fruitful for us. I wrote chapter two of my dissertation about it, so may as well shoehorn it in every opportunity. The basic idea is that the artisan takes the instrument to hand to implicate it in his works, so that it, you know, like it really participates in his dynamism, it shares in his kind of causality. Now, the instrument will always leave its mark on the final product. Like if you use a blue pen, it's going to write with blue ink and you're going to be able to see blue ink. And so too, in our Lord's use of us, like our personalities are not something to be wholly eviscerated or laid aside. They're things to be healed and grown as our Lord makes use of us in his saving designs. But we shouldn't make a kind of um, exclusive focus of the whole healing and growing process, because it's something that transpires along the way as we're caught up in the divine plan and as we become agents in his in his saving works. So that for me is a great a great consolation. Well, there you have it. Third Sunday of Advent, summarized, ready to go, in depth analysis, Expert drinks opinions. of choice already <laughs> chosen. We're ready. Whipped cream. Uh-huh. That's nice. The cold Cups. and the hot. It's the, without. It's perfect. Okay. 
Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Godsplaining. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like, subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you'd like to support and donate to the podcast, you can do so through Patreon by following the link in the description. You can also follow the links in the description to shop Godsplaining merchandise and to get information on our upcoming Godsplaining events. As always, thanks very much for tuning in. Pray for us. We're praying for you. And until next time, God bless.